Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. The ACA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by ACA President Dr Anthony Coxon, these podcasts explore the science, art, philosophy and politics of chiropractic, as well as reviewing the latest research and discussing how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice. Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. I'm your podcast host, Anthony Coxon. If there's one thing that the COVID pandemic has done, it's been to shine a light on aging and elderly health. We have this demographic bubble called the baby boomers that are now aged between 56 and 74 years old. These are people who are more motivated than ever to do what they can to remain healthy, strong, independent, and avoid a nursing home for as long as possible. More and more, we are seeing sarcopenia that age linked to all manner of things with regards to physical and mental well-being in the elderly. As chiropractors, we play a vital role in reducing pain and lost functional capacity that may impact on the ability for a person to perform exercise. This is the case in all people, but of all ages, but has become particularly important in the senior population. It's a huge advantage for your practice and your patients to know how and where seniors can get access to the right exercise that meets their needs. And today I have a former chiropractor now called a now turned strength coach to help us do just that. Dean Morby graduated from RMIT in 1992. He established a family centered practice where he served the people of central Victoria for 22 years. After a year's sabbatical in 2016, Dean stepped away from chiropractic and opened the doors of Real Strength Studio, a facility that quickly gained a reputation for being a center of excellence for restoring vitality in the aged population via his strength training methods. Dean currently has an, a six month waiting list. Through his work, Dean has had a lot of media attention of late. A mini doc on SBS and uh, a story on ABC online are just some of the news outlets interested in the unique work he does in helping seniors stay strong and healthy. Dean's approach to strength training was the subject of a research paper that was published in the Journal of Women and Aging 2020 in the USA. There are also other papers being written about his never too late program that he created as his entry point into his gym. This is certainly gonna be an interesting conversation. Hi, Dean. Welcome to the ACA podcast. Hi, Anthony. Thank you very much. G'day, viewers, listeners. So um, you didn't come to um, powerlifting late uh, in life. Um, I knew you uh, way back. Uh, I can't remember if we first met as, uh, as young chiropractors or maybe you might have even been a, a student. But I always remember you as being, you know, I've got the cyclist body, you've got the gym uh, body, clearly. So um, powerlifting, it came to you pretty early in life, I'm assuming. Indeed, it's funny you mentioned that. I also remember the the Wen Band brothers as well. Ah, they yes, were, yep, they were into they were, it. These were the these were those uh, days back in the early eighties, and and mullets and flared pants and <laughs> flared pants. but yeah, look, I got into weight training when I was fourteen. Um, I grew up in the country. Um, I wanted to play footy. We only had under seventeens in country footy. The under seventeens shave have three kids and drive a car into into the game but we uh father said we've got to protect you do some weights so that was my entry in um i loved it 
it, it was like a duck to water. It felt good. I felt good in my mind, felt good in my body, and I was reasonably good at it. So it became one of those, you know, go-to things that, that kept me uh, um, physical, but kept me sane throughout my education, through my chiropractic education in those early years of practice. So when did you go straight from um, you know, HSC, as it would have been back then, uh, into chiropractic? I did, yeah. I was, so I was uh, 18 years old um, when I was in first year chiropractic. There you go. So uh, you're, you've, you've graduated from, chiro from chiropractic. You go into, you went straight back home, did you, towards Bendigo Way in Victoria? Yeah, I did. Um, I did field work with the very great and late Jared Christian at Werribee. Um, and I opened my own practice just four days before my 23rd birthday in December in, was that 1992 or three? I think it's 1992 from memory. And we came across uh, our paths, you know, various times uh, over your chiropractic uh, career, but obviously you reached a point where you decided you needed a change. Tell me what was the motivation uh, behind stepping away from chiropractic and stepping into um, setting up a, a strength training gym? Well, I really love chiropractic. Um, we're a chiropractic family of a brother, a sister, a brother-in-law that are chiropractors. Um, uh, it's something that's been, you know, an important tool for us and still is for me. Um, I was 44. Um, and I remember I was 22 when I was out of practice. So I thought it was a fair crack at a career. I, I thought that, um, you know, 22 years, half my life at that particular point was, uh, uh, I guess I was reflective and really saw the magnitude of that. And then I was just curious um, uh, could you live another life in another way? And uh, so moving away that year, I, I had no clue, honestly, what I was going to do. I just uh, stepped away. Um, and as the year went through, went by, different things that came my way started to form where I wanted to go. And at this stage, were you doing sort of powerlifting yourself just still as a, as a form of exercise um, or, yeah. or had you sort of stepped away from that altogether? Yeah, so I actually stepped away from it, I think, from about 28 through to early 40s. And, you know, I had my own, uh, uh, you know, I was married, developing practice, doing a lot of things that when you're in those quite transformative years of your life, you know, trying to create an identity, trying to help people do all sorts of different things. Um, that slipped. I used to walk quite a bit, but the training slipped in those early forties. I restarted to train again. I remembered how that helped my, my body, how it helped my mind in particular, um, and how I felt connected in the movement. So uh, I had already started to train probably in that last year of practice. So you had, um, what, a, what, a year off or something for your sabbatical before you sort of went into the gym? Right. And yep. did you also move out of the area that you were in or did you start your gym up in the same area where your practice was? Well, we moved to Albert Park um, in a lovely uh, single front of Victorian. I mean, we grew up in the country in the bush and we thought that that was it. Um, and... Uh, I spent a lot of time in Melbourne cafes, <laughs> a lot of time <laughs> at markets. Um, I knew every decent coffee and croissant place that could exist. And uh, 
I thought initially it was quite a honeymoon, lovely, you know, bayside to walk and, you know, bike tracks and so on. But um, it became quite evident that I am a country kid and we had a house here anyway. We went back to the house. We bought another place here and moved it and so on. And so I re-established um, in Castle Main, small country town, about nine or 10,000 people here in Central Vic, an hour and a quarter north of Melbourne. And so your chiropractic practice was not far from there. Were you Bendigo or were you in Castle Maine when you were practicing yeah. as a chiropractor? I practiced in Bendigo for most of my life. I think it was about 16 years, 17 years. And uh, then in the last five years of practice, I practiced in Castle Maine. Right. Mate, you've done the, the opposite to what most people do in that uh, the people that I talk about have had a sabbatical or city people who have gone country and you've, you had your sabbatical in the city, but realized that country was, uh, was where home really was. Yeah, correct. So tell us about setting up um, the gym. It, it just came to you one day and then you, I mean, you obviously had experience in that area. So kidding it out and um, setting up a program wouldn't have been entirely foreign for you, I wouldn't have imagined. Mm. So um, probably 10 years before I uh, moved from chiropractic, there was, a, there was something that, you know, piqued some interest. There was a study done. I think it was, a, it was in a Jewish uh, university. It was maybe either done in Israel and then published in America. But anyway, it was octogenarians. It was like a pilot study. Octogenarians in nursing homes, they come with an idea, say, let's get these people in homes and pound them with weights. And the, the ethicist said, this is impossible. You can't do this to these people. Anyway, it, it went through. Um, the, the, these people become more ambulantry, stronger, more upright, their minds become clearer. Um, and it, it went to show that there was something in this. So that would, that I saw that somewhere and somehow I can't remember. Anyway, a light bulb went on with it. Moving forward, I was noticing how CrossFit at the time was extraordinarily busy. And at the same time, powerlifting as a sport was becoming popular, more popular than anything I'd ever seen when I was doing it when I was in my early teens. Um, and what was happening, what they were finding was that people who were into CrossFit um, loved the camaraderie, loved the challenges, loved all the group things that come with group training. And they wanted to improve, but often to do the power lifts in CrossFit without proper form you know, results in injuries, you know, it's mm. a pretty simple thing. So what was happening, a lot of the CrossFitters were going and getting, um, just to say chiropractic training, getting coaching training from powerlifters. Um, and, and before we knew it, powerlifting was becoming a thing. So I created my center initially thinking it was for young people. Um, I created a beautiful center, um, the, the best equipment that I would have liked to train with. You know, I had all the, the gorgeous everything. Um, it was still very, very, you know, sparse compared to a regular gym, but the bars were beautiful, the weights were beautiful, and the benches were beautiful, and it was just what I wanted. Um, I was thinking, my thinking was that, you know, I'll just do this powerlifting thing, do competitions, coach people to competitions. Gasoline's got a, you know, a, a youth, I thought we'd train them and create some clubs and, and go on. In those first couple of years, we did really well within that group. We, 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 we went to quite a few competitions. I created a world record holder, still a world record holder, strongest lift pound for pound ever in the history of the sport. Um, 
and you know it was all very nice um but what happened a lot of women started to join us a lot of women a lot of women and every time michael mosley would get on tv and talk about heavy resistance training the phone would start to ring and women would be showing up pretty soon i had a women's only group um and then the ages started to get further and further older catalyst would run a program saying how strength training would help you um, move through any diseases of aging that you might have comorbidities that we're seeing problems with right now and so older folk would start to call us cut a long story short i, get, I was getting much more pleasure out of uh, working with people that were more interested in their general health and strength mm. than squeezing another two, two and a half kilos out of a world record holder. So what I did then was I shut out the hours that, 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 that the heavy trainers used to come in. You know, the heavy trainers are generally in their 20s and 30s and whatever, and they always have to train after work. So I cut all those hours out because at that point I thought um, from, a, from a value perspective and from a personal, uh, you know, you can take the chiropractor, you know, the chiropractor from chiropractic, but that spirit is still wanting to serve and help people really come up. So I, I quit really the, the, the super heavy stuff and I just focused on women and older people. Now, of course, as a chiropractor, we know that women generally make the health decisions for the family. Yes. So we'll see make decisions for themselves and they would be pulling their husband in by the ear and say, you need to do this as well. So it was not dissimilar to what my experience was as a chiropractor. I want to take a, a step back because I think a lot of people, um, they understand strength training, but, but might not understand exactly what powerlifting is. Can you go and explain that, please? Well, strength training at its core to get strong, the most simple and effective way is to do the power lifts. They're three primary, very uh, uh, intrinsically natural movements that a human being can make squatting bench pressing and deadlifting now anybody in any sport that needs power will do the power lifts okay it is the simplest safest way in to develop strength and power it's very uncomplicated uh it's very easy to to run because these are normal moves i mean essentially a squat until we had until we had western toilets we would squat a few times a day and that's, you know, bumped to the ground almost deadlift. If we become um, quadrupedal to bipedal, we've had to use all the spinal erectors, the, the glutes, the hamstrings and quads to get in an erect state. So they're very natural movements to the human body. And I think it's very worthwhile. And we will put this on the, um, uh, when we send this podcast out to members, put the website address for your, uh, for your business. Because I think just to see the pictures, you said about how, you know, you've got the, the best of powerlifting equipment there, but it is pretty basic um, in terms of its <laughs> setup. And and I don't mean that in a disparaging way at all. It's no. sort of like it's a just to the roots, you know, and keeping it very simple, keeping uh, keeping it fun, but but you know, just get, getting the basic stuff and doing that really really well. And I guess this is like you mentioned, a lot of the CrossFitters running into problems because I think when you, especially as you get heavier with those primal three movements, you you really need to have your technique spot on and that's that's where someone like you is um comes in i guess 
Mm -hmm. And presence of mind, it goes beyond even technique. It becomes, you actually need to have that little moment to check in and get present and to, you know, the idea of running to a clock where a clock is, is the thing that dictates, you know, how, how fast you complete a set. It actually is as deleterious to presence. You need presence in self to be able to properly do your things. And I guess this is where it's really attractive uh, from a media perspective, because so many people historically associate those kind of gyms with, you know, the Arnold Schwarzenegger bodybuilding. And then all of a sudden you've got these, you know, people in there, you know, mostly women, but, uh, uh, but men as well, but older, you know, in their sixties and their seventies. Uh, so this was a, you were aware that there was benefit for these people, but but it was more or less an organic thing, at least in the beginning for your, for your business. Yeah, it was absolutely organic. And also five people in their eighties, but, um, right. the, okay. when I, I, I look back, you know, at a five year anniversary and I look back at the flyer that we created on the opening day of our center, we didn't even mention older folk. Right. There you go. So like, but I'm quick to observe trends and habits. You know, so I thought, hang on. And as well as that, there's a real joy to see such significant changes in well-being. Yes. And you, as you said, you're quick to observe and anyone just has a flick through your website will see that now you're very much geared towards that population group yeah. um, and yeah. have particular programs uh, that, that, you know, make it work very well for, for, for people in their 60s, 70s, and even 80s, as you said. Um, how do you, do you run your classes? They're, they're group classes, obviously. Do you have a, like a set program? Do they move from exercise A, B, C? I mean, it's basically the three movements, but I'm assuming there's yeah. more things yeah. that you might do while they're there. Yeah, super. Um, it is... It is it, it is the three movements. There is a sequence of movement to prepare, um, but people know what they get. So there's comfort in, in the certainty of what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the sequence of movements that I do as part of my chiropractic understanding of movement, of recruitment, of muscles, of firing, of agonist, antagonistic muscles, um, we can do certain movements that relax some bits, strengthen other bits, you know, stretch some bits. And it, it allows a really nice sequence of movement that's quite clipped, controlled, um, and very, very efficient. In the conversations that you and I have had about this too, you've also mentioned how it goes far beyond uh, just the, you know, the physical action of, of doing the movement uh, and um, the type of camaraderie and, um, you know, mental health benefits that people get from one performing something that they might not have thought that, you know, a year ago that they would ever be capable of doing, uh, but also doing that in an environment, that group environment that is very supportive. Um, uh, that's something that you've sort of uh, observed as well in your, in your business. Yeah, I, I've observed. And then as a consequence of the observations, you know, honed, and, and directed the movement. So, you know, if you see a habit of, of you know, essentially the research is very clear that um, people as they're older are only going to do resistance training on mass and be persistent with it if they're doing it with a group of people, okay? And the thing that exists, uh, resistance training 
once you're over 65 is the most significant training or exercise you must do if you want to be in control of your movements and of your actions when you're older. If, mm. if you have sarcopenia and you start to give away, uh, give agency to your own movements, you're going to pay and you're going to keep paying. It's going to be your, your ambulatory devices or your things that you put on your wall to help you up and down stairs or whatever it is. The, the more you give away your... Um, your authority on your own movement the more you're going to pay and the less your quality of life will be when you get older so the, the resistance training to do it to uptake and then be persistent with it it needs the groups it needs to be something that's relevant that's interesting something you know powerlifting is a, a power, powerlifting is a single fronted victorian house okay in Eltham, sorry, in Elwood, it, it costs this much. In Brunswick, it costs this much. A 79-year-old grandmother can say to their 14-year-old grandson, what do you bench? <laughs> it is one of those sorts of things, I guess, that um, strength, if it's honed well, is something you can maintain much better than perhaps some some other aspects. So so you like you said, it is something that a, a grandmother could do with their with their grandson potentially. You know, it is. And the thing with strength is, uh, you know, I'm 50 years old, right? Nearly 51. Um, I'm probably be 70 years old. Maybe my my youngest son is going to be very strong, very quick by the look of it. But I'll be 70, 75 years old. Um, before many people will be able to catch up to my strength. Now, if it was speed, um, speed will diminish. You know, there are various different endurance over a distance of running or whatever, these things diminish. Strength seems to, to be that, you know, holy grail of human performance. You know, a lot of, a lot of records are still, a lot of open records are still be, being set by 55 and 56 year olds. And I just say that to impress upon the, the whole strength thing. If we have 60, we, we often have uh, this, hear this thing in a 67 or eight year old woman that says, never in my life have I been as strong as I am now. Mm. This, the strength mountain is something that if we choose to climb, we'll get close to the capacity of what we could do as, as in our innate human ability. If we climb that mountain when we're very young, we'll retain that pretty much for most of a lifetime. If we, and, and it'll taper off at 70 and 80 a little. If we start that climb when we're 55 or 56, we'll exceed where we would have, where we had ever experienced our strength in our life if we've never done any kind of resistance training. So you will be stronger than you ever were, even in your 60s and 70s. So in many ways, that's a great way uh, for people who aren't really into exercise to get into exercise be, uh, of strength training and doing it that way because it is exciting, I guess, to, uh, to, to reach those sorts of goals um, and to improve at something. Um, and, and I guess just going back to what you were saying before, um, the, the activities of daily living in an older person really very much depend much more on strength and speed. You know, if someone, Correct. if a grandmother wants to, bend over and pick up her grandchild or wants to go for a walk in the park or, you know, carry her shopping to into her car, you know, that's, that's a strength thing that's required there. It's not a speed thing. So that's, it's, that's the thing that really will impact on their ability to enjoy life. 
Correct. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned, um, or I mentioned rather in uh, the uh, bio about the research that's been done, uh, particularly that the article in the Journal of Women and Aging. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that was done about because the, the, the guidelines and understanding of strength training, the, the juries uh, come in. There's, 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 there's no discussion about whether or not strength training should be done with someone when they're older. The challenges are, or where the, where the research is interested now, is that how, how do you get people into strength training and how do you keep them into strength training? Because this is something that, that we know is essentially getting up and down off a toilet, putting your own clothes on with your arms above your head. Um, these are the things that will keep you at home independently living so the research is clear with that so we had an exercise physiologist and she might have been doing a master's degree she come and observed and she ran a, um, a research uh, program through the the one of the women's group that we we're running the research come out uh, that the results are coming out saying what are the factors that um, keep older women get them into strength training and keep them in strength training. So there's peer advocacy this is a big one. So one woman saying to another woman, hey, do this. It was worked for me. Now, of course, we know that in chiropractic, you know, peer advocacy is, is when you take away media, advertising, testimonials, in-house in testimonials, so it's peer advocacy that give, has people showing up into your doors. So peer advocacy, so they tell them, go and see, go here. And then if they go into a group and they say, oh my God, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're, if you can do this, I can do this, holy smokes. And then if they see these women that are becoming stronger and they say, I didn't ever, never even knew that you did weights, you never, it kind of didn't look like it, you weren't muscular or anything, and you're doing these amazing things. So, so it starts to dispel myths. So, so perception changes towards strength training is the next critical thing that's important. So you need to have peer advocacy and groups. Then um, perception things. Oh, so you don't get big and bulky if you he lift heavy weights. No, you don't. Um, and then it comes down to the trainer, how to make it safe, how to, how to, um, have people break down movements that are so simple that they're ridiculously simple to and then as a consequence of setting those foundation movements seeing how quickly someone can, can become powerful because there's another thing in the research that says being over conservative in training or strength training being overly cautious means that you don't get the gains that are promised within it because there has to be overload but you have to create the safe bread and butter way how to do that and it's really very very simple how to do that as a consequence of that the person starts to believe in themselves and then as a trainer you can then say and you know if someone's forms you know if they're doing something comfortably you know and I can promise you even if you're in a group of novices that have only been eight and you're in their seventies and have only been in the, in your center for eight weeks, they will know if a form breakdown is so, so simple. Mm -hmm. um, then you can, you can encourage them to go heavy and, and they say, well, if you believe I can do that, I'll trust myself. And then suddenly you get this positive feedback loop happening as well. I guess that's another advantage of being in a group like that. People get to see, 
good form and when form breaks and, and learn through osmosis that way? That must be a, a factor I'd imagine as well. It is it's a critical factor and it's like, it is, it, we hear that time and time again. That's why group training is, is, is critical. Apart from keeping it interesting, you wanna have multiple conversations and a bit of a joke, you know, if it's just working one-on-one, it, God almighty, I'd find it'd be like pulling teeth, you know? Mm, definitely. And, and I guess this is an interesting balance. I did a podcast um, just last week with Matt Fernandez, who's doing the pilot study in a program called Gladback. And um, that's also about introducing exercise uh, to a population of uh, people who have chronic um, and debilitating low back pain. Um, their model's different to yours. Uh, it's not about sort of the, uh, as high intensity. It's more about just getting them moving and getting their perception of pain to change. Um, and one of their underlying philosophies is um, that, you know, if the movement's not perfect initially, that's okay. Just work through it and, and keep going. Um, and they've found that that works very well, um, I guess, with that lower intensity type of, uh, of exercise. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I wouldn't imagine that once you start to obviously get into heavier weights and more high intensity type of environments that, you know, technique must become, I think, very important. Yeah. And look, it's a really good point. My observation is this. If you watch a child learn how to walk, their unstable gait is normal for where they are mm. and actually perfect for where they are. So these, you know, to even classify something as not normal, it actually sits with where they're at. So we'll, we'll have, um, and I'm fully aware of that. And what you all understand from a nervous perspective, um, you can do that first normal, ungainly, uncharacteristically, you know, pleasant movement, unpleasant movement. And then even in the rest period and the person redoes the movement, the nervous system has already figured out a better way how to do it. You know, so this is just normal progression in the nerve system. So my starting points and, and my, my, my trust in what success means and what growth means, I'm a very, very patient man. Yes. You know, I like watching in the olden days and not so much now, but I could watch a two hour race and a Grand Prix. I just wouldn't mind watching five days of test cricket and watch what unfolds. Mm. So I'm very, very patient. So I, I see when the nervous system, when the body has done something in a different, more advanced way. Now it doesn't take much Anthony to have somebody that's had no background at all in training to be able to do a kettlebell squat with, 20 kilos when they're 81 years old. Mm. You know, it's, it takes almost, you know, maybe two sessions. Now that's not from hype and excitement and slapping them on the back and doing all of these kinds of things or putting motivational music on. It's all garbage, all garbage. You just set up a track for someone to run. It's a very simple track and it's very easy to teach. And, and in the, as I said, in a very short time, even the most novices that are watching, you go, hang on, you didn't get your bum down in the right position that time or you moved your head or whatever. It's really quite prosaic and so simple. Another thing I like about your setup is, uh, like you said, there's no, there's no hyped up music. There's no mirrors. It's, uh, it's all about getting in tune with your body and enjoying right. the experience of that, you know, that, that group camaraderie. That's right. That's right. And you'll see people love 
people love seeing other people move from a vulnerable state into a state of growth. So you'll have a group that's quite new together and someone may have been struggling for a while and suddenly they get it. And without me cueing, they'll applaud. Mm. Just yep. like seeing someone struggle in public speaking and you're just thinking, please, God, let that person get those words out. He's dying out there. You know, and then when they get through the, the speech and, and everyone can take a breath afterwards, it's just like, yeah, you're done. Yeah. You know, people love, you know, supporting and urging the underdog. Yes. They do. Yep. Um, what do you think the lessons are and the opportunities are for chiropractors with um, clearly the evidence falls very strongly now into, into that sort of strength arena in terms of... Um, managing chronic disease and uh, improving well-being. Um, chiropractors are very interested in, uh, in this sort of uh, thing. Um, what, what do you think, how do you think chiropractors can work with people such as uh, yourself or even introduce those kind of programs either within their practice or develop relationships with, with people in their areas that are doing this sort of thing? Well, look, I was, I was a chiropractor first and I've been connected with chiropractic since I was 14, about the same time, maybe 12, I think I was. So 38 years now. So, you know, the, my fundamental mode of operation is still coming through that uh, mindset of holding the, respecting the body has an innate ability to develop naturally and to become strong naturally and doesn't need masses of intervention to bring strength out of someone. It has to be simple. It has to be, you know, uncomplicated and reproducible. So that being said, you know, it works. It has to be in groups, you know, and you have to be paid appropriately and you have to set a fee that people, you know, value also um, their, their, their service that you're providing. So I think chiropractors have got their head around that in a, in a greater part. Um, and it's incredibly, you know, you have to love people and you want to see people go well. You want to serve people. And I really think, you know, a chiropractor, you know, I work, I have no third party, you know, payer. So just like in my olden days, apart from maybe HBA or something like that, that used to be a third party payer. Um, it's very much like how chiropractic was practiced years back. That being said, the odds are stacked in your favor in strength training. And I know a lot of chiropractors, um, I've heard chiropractors say to me, um, Gonstead chiropractors say that, you know, people's adjustments don't hold as they used to when they first started training. There seemed to be less muscle tone, less this and that in the body. When the, the natural tone is, is deep, diminishing with a lot of people, there is, there is the hugest opportunity right now in uh, the, the baby boomers coming of age, so to speak. We're going to have 5 million people um, over this next 20 years hit into those years of um, potential aged care, but also potential living their life very, very well. These are people that have learned that you've got to keep on uh, being responsible for yourself. And they are the ones that are coming into me. They're saying, let's, you know, I want to get strong. How do I get strong? How do I do this? And they want to do it in a, you know, in a way that's enjoyable, that's meaningful to them and that keeps them having a sense of progress, something that's quite simple. Right now I'm speaking with exercise physiologists um, 
at ESSO, exercise physiologists, about incorporating the type of programs that I've developed um, and having people that are trained up in exercise to be able to roll out the kinds of things that I'm doing. What I would love to see happen is to, for um, chiropractors um, in, their, in their developing their, their wellness practices and being at the forefront of where science is and where, um, where the population is, where media is, where the medical doctors are, is saying, you know, let's take on this, you know, let's take on an approach that can you know, get positive media in. Um, we can incorporate maybe an exercise physiologist into our team that really closely marriages the philosophy of what we do. You know, there may be grads that are coming through that may have an interest in um, this as well to, to put within to a regular practice. Um, the scope is, is beyond amazing. And I, and I just think that the, never in my life if I felt that the odds have been so stacked in our favour. Yeah, look, it's, I think it's going to, be, it's going to be a really interesting next um, five years where we see Sarah, how this rolls out because I think you're absolutely right. There's a recognition across the board that uh, strength training is so important for, for older people and uh, there's going to be a whole lot more of them over the next, uh, you know, uh, the next few years. So, um, look, I really appreciate your time today, Dean. I know um, I'm in Melbourne and uh, still in lockdown. Uh, you're in Castlemaine and only in the stage three lockdown, but it's unfortunately that means that your um, uh, business can't be open uh, at the moment. So we're both looking forward to to brighter times, but it does give us, I guess, the opportunity to have these sorts of conversations and uh, and, and reflect on, on on where to next. And I really appreciate um, your insights and, and the time you've given to the ACA podcast today. Thank you, Anthony. Well, that's it for me. Thanks for listening. And I hope this podcast has been helpful in your quest for excellence. I look forward to chatting with you again on our next ACA podcast. Mm -hmm.